Robots are great, robots are chill. Teach them to love, teach them to kill. What if we taught them to think for themselves? Let's watch a movie and find out. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Whole Movie Podcast Botcast Edition. Botcast. Botcast. Um, we we have covered uh, a lot of like robot robot sympathy, a lot of robot sadness. We promised for this installment uh, to deliver maybe a little something more like robot suspicion. Margot, mm. how do you think? We will will we deliver upon that projection? I would say so. Okay. This is robot antagonism. Mm-hmm. If you want to put it that way, okay. This is these are robots that we're not rooting for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we can explore why that is. These yes. are robots that are failing to pass as human because mm-hmm. they pass as too perfect, mm-hmm. too much of an ideal sexual fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- that is not ob- attainable by human, human women. Yes. Very much a to be, to be seen and not heard kind yes. of model. Yes. Unless that hearing is, uh, guys, we're talking about the Stepford Wives movie today. Both of them, both the original from the seventies and then from, I think 2004, the remake, uh, women not to be heard unless they are screaming cries of obviously, not sincere sexual pleasure at yes. their subpar male counterparts. Yes, they're balding, mm-hmm. sad, <laughs> golfing. <laughs> no offense to people with male pattern baldness. Yeah, yeah. You're like, but offense to those who golf. Offense, I, if you golf, though, it's a problem. Yeah, <laughs> I'm coming here to tell you uh, I don't apologize for the golfing. <laughs> um, and I would like to point out, as it's been a couple episodes now, uh, the song that you hear at the start of this podcast is indeed a Margot Carlson original. A Marg Carl original. Marg Carl. What a sonorous shortening. What a shortening. crunchy name. <laughs> Margot with her voice of an angel. Hi. And, and playing guitar. I was, uh, I... We lucked out. I, we have wonderful original compositions for the Ots Pod and this one. So thank you, Margot. You're very welcome. Shout out to the Bechdel cast for inspiring me to write and compose a little guitar guitar ditty for this podcast. Well, thank you very much. And it's very good. And I love listening to it a lot of times every time I edit. Bringing us back to the topic at hand. Circling back. Stepford Wives. Stepford Wives. Um, the First viewings for you. Both of them. I had never seen a Stepford Wife. <laughs> Neither not. in real life nor nor the films. No. Um. Did you have expectations going in? Were you feeling very open? Was it like, wow, that was not what I anticipated? Well, that was very much what I anticipated. Like, how does it fall on the seeing a, you know, piece of piece of the canon kind of situation? I mean, it. I I did have expectations because, as you put it, it it they are canonical yes. texts, especially the original. It feels oh, like. Yes. And and watching it, it, it was very validating. Like, yes, this is definitely should be canonical. This yes. is excellent seventies cinema. This yeah. Is, 70s horror cinema. It's really that is good. doing good shit. Yeah. It's a good ass movie. And and you and we talked about it uh in the, the process of watching it together, how you can really feel Jordan Peele's get out within this yes. movie. Yes. And so it, it is it's a movie that people know about. It's certainly like and the idea of like something being Stepfordy, like it, it is a part of the pop culture lexicon. Yeah. But I, I think it's still one that we don't talk about a ton. 
mm. compared to we don't watch it a lot we don't watch we it a lot use it colloquially but it is it's really influential yes and it's really well done it's a really good fucking movie it's excellent yeah the place where my expectations were were um misled mm. was in the remake i really didn't and we'll get into it of course but i didn't I think part of the reason that people haven't watched the OG mm. or people that I know in my life haven't really is that the the remake is so dog shit. Yeah, it is. And, it is. Um, and and even, not even in the way that I thought. Like mm. I just thought it was going to be like a wor- like a shitty <laughs> remake. But it's, <laughs> it's in trying to do something different. It drops the ball in such a disappointing fucking way. And it, in, it, in a way that it feels, and I think this came up while we were watching it too, it's almost like the filmmakers are assuming you've seen the original, so they're like, hey, we're just going to give you the cliff notes of this, right? And then we're just going to throw set pieces at you. And right. like to like in, in the way that it feels like a, it just feels like an incomplete movie. It feels like not all of the movie is there yeah, in, none in of the, the remake. Nuance. Mm-mm. And it's like I don't mind that I I agree that like as we said like Stepford white wives are a like a phrase in yeah. our dictionary like we 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 understand what it means to be a Stepford wife yes to be robotically feminine yeah so trying to do a remake that's like we're not gonna reveal what's going on until the last act of the movie mm-hmm. would be useless I think unless it was really doing like a subverting our expectations in a big way Mm -hmm. which ultimately the remake does and we'll get into that Mm -hmm. but i think like i didn't mind that much that we launch headfirst into like separate wives sparking out of the ears in the first (laughs) act yeah if it weren't like that they're trying to make it like pop culture early aughts feminist <laughs> yes and they're dropping that ball then yeah. all of the nuance that we'll discuss about the original movie mm-hmm. like the reason why it's so good as a slow burn mm-hmm. is that it's that same type of like slowly realizing that everyone is against you mm-hmm. that you are alone and even the people that you think are your allies are changing in front of your very eyes mm-hmm. um and you're trapped and you're going to die mm-hmm. And I don't know what's going on. I just know something is wrong and my time is coming. And that experience, which is also in Rosemary's Baby. Mm, Yes, 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 yes. um, Is such a delicious, accurate experience of realizing, like, what it is like to be, like, being gaslit. Yeah. And being abused. Mm -hmm. In, like, in sort of a seemingly harmless way. Until all of a sudden it's not harmless anymore. Yes. And that is really lost in the remake. Where Mm -hmm. it's just like, wow, something's going wrong. Women are fully sparking out of the ears. And they look look like Barbies. Yeah. And my husband is is telling me that I'm making this up. But there's, like, no doubt in my mind that I'm not. It's just a different type of And no thinking person could look at this and think that there isn't something yeah suspicious going on like no person who cares about noticing anything could in the remake look at this and be like no everything's cool and then i asked myself where would people never notice a town full of robots connecticut maybe you're happy with how it's not cool but you know it's not cool versus the idealized version of these women in the 70s version, in the original, they look like they're they're beautiful and they're very pristine, but they also look 
like the women who have yet to have been converted yeah. into Stepford Wives. They 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 wear a particular kind of aesthetic. It's very like pulled straight from you know home and garden kind of magazine kind of thing. But it's not like we rolled them straight off the assembly line in bright colors yes. and curled their hair the exact same way. Yes. In, in almost a cartoonish representation yes. of femininity the wives, in the aughts one. The, the wives in the aughts Stepford Wives look like a look like central casting for <laughs> models. Like, yeah. They, they clearly are <laughs> just like beauty first, yeah. acting second, which is fine. Yeah. But it's not, it's not the uh, authentic, and fine, it's a satire. It's a satire adaptation of mm-hmm. the original, which is a horror movie. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's fine to go a little bit off the deep end of like being hyper on the nose mm-hmm. in a satire, especially if we're, if, if the like suburban image that we're trying to evoke is like not no longer Mm -hmm. actually accurate to the suburbia of the aughts Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah um but it just ends up feeling like um it's not a movie that's about anything actually important (laughs) yeah which is not the case with the original stepford wives and where do you where does stepford fit for you um and we can like frame this in the original in terms of the original where does stepford fit for you in the a conversation we've had many times uh, together in the fembot mm-hmm. timeline. So is this is this a fembot movie? Yes, I think what's what we've talked about in the past about fembots. When a robot is this was originally going to be a fembots podcast, yes. and we broadened it out. So this is an area of especially a special interest for for Margot. Yes, very excited to I talk love to her I what what Jordan and I both love about fembots I would say mm. is that is that when a robot when a robot is given a human appearance mm-hmm. the question the question is the question of passing do you pass as a human do you seem human but humans are gendered mm-hmm. and so when a robot is given a human appearance mm-hmm. that robot is also given gender characteristics mm-hmm. um that so then the secondary question becomes does this robot successfully pass as a woman or as a man Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the failure to pass um the the stakes are different for robot men versus robot women right right when a when a man so because in my opinion because technology is the realm of the masculine in like western cultural consciousness yeah um and nature is the realm of the feminine Mm -hmm. when a man is revealed to be robotic, mm-hmm. there is the sense of, like, potentially betrayal, potentially horror, but there's also sort of a, a Freudian, like, confirmation of the potency of the phallus. Sure. Of. Okay, okay, okay. Like, this scare, this, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. is, like, ubermensch, like, absolute, sweaty, extremely muscular, embodied (laughs) masculinity. Yes. Underneath that is, like, the cold steel of a robot skeleton. Yeah. And both of these things are threatening in a masculine way. Yeah. When a fembot is revealed to be robotic, there's a different type of deception happening. Mm. It's the reveal that something that seemed soft and supple and obedient Mm -hmm. and, like, desirable Mm -hmm. and penetrable yeah indeed is in fact cold and hard and calculating and um often uh uh 
able to run amok, able to <laughs> yeah. disobey. Yes. Um, uh, and that reveal is a different, is a more, more to the, to the male gaze of the audience, more of a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, she is not a woman. Mm-hmm. She is, um, she's a machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her interior is is castrating. Is <laughs> is castrating. So in general, I love talking about fembots in movies, and we'll talk about many more fembots in the films going forward. Yeah. And this is why we say in all the episodes so far, when a woman is a robot, she's subjected to violence and to sexual violence. Yes. And it's because like part of the curiosity of the cinematic gaze mm-hmm. tends to be about like, um. Getting up under a woman's clothes mm-hmm. or skin, finding out if she has everything she's supposed to have, right, and making sure that she's like safe mm-hmm. and um, fuckable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and it, it 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 almost always goes back to that fuckable, yeah, right? And and so often a camera or characters, with the help of the camera, characters in the movie mm-hmm. will remove a fanbot's clothing um and also remove her skin mm-hmm. and the goal is to like see the unseen see the forbidden yeah. truth of like this castrating monster disguised as a woman mm-hmm. um which all women really are if you think about it. oh yeah i mean of course <laughs> of course they are that being the root of the problem right and the thing that's great about stepford wives the original mm-hmm. um is that it was coming out at a time when Betty Friedan's uh, The Feminine Mystique, which was like the feminist text right. at the time, was um, on everyone's minds. And mm-hmm. The Feminine Mystique said basically like this expectation that women be perfect domestic housewives with no goals and dreams of their own and no ability to uh, have like a career, mm-hmm. essentially, is... Um, causing women to kill themselves Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um there's like many reasons to critique the feminine mystique it was like the opposite of intersectional feminism right all about middle class white women yeah um and a lot of her uh her theses were like completely inaccurate to the experience of many many women who don't fall into that category right yeah but it was at the time like groundbreaking because Mm -hmm. women were finally able to point to this and say like the type of femininity that we're all being told to pursue Mm -hmm. is not a going to make us happy Mm -hmm. and b physically possible. It's Mm -hmm. not attainable for someone to be fulfilled in this way and to like fulfill all of these requirements Mm -hmm. and still like live and breathe and be okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and this movie, the Stepford wives is about how that very thing, the feminine mystique of the perfect domestic housewife Mm -hmm. is not human. Yeah. And it's not, it is itself like to be feminine Mm -hmm. in that way, in that perfect desirable way Mm -hmm. is to be a artificial performance of femininity that women cannot achieve successfully. And that, I think, is always kind of going on with fembot movies mm-hmm. where women cannot successfully pass as women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. And women of all, of all kinds, mm-hmm. like the, the two pass as a woman, and this is what's so great about drag, is like because gender can't, passing a, as a particular gender is always about performing a kind of gender. Yeah. Um, and p- camping about in a kind of drag way in mm-hmm. our everyday life, um, then when you when you have a, a robot successfully 
achieve it. Mm-hmm. And then we see that robot like glitch mm-hmm. and <laughs> repeat herself a bunch of times and fall over and twitch a lot. Yeah. Um, it's just so satisfying to, to see that like, oh, to be a woman in the way that men want or in the way that whatever society wants, a mm-hmm. normative woman. Yeah. Um, is like to, ha- to have no soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To be nothing but this like artificial exterior that, that um, in its interior is is um, a castrating monster. A castrating monster. I was having to sit and just like repress how giddy that entire explanation was making me the entire time to not like weird you out and be like, why are you sitting there smiling at me like that? Oh I was God. just like trying to not react because that was you. everything I was hoping you were gonna say. Um, why I love talking to you about this. <laughs> um, and I think there's such a like, you know, to the to the point of fembots and, and, and women enduring violence and sexual violence. And these are, the movie is almost like an advertisement for a hypothetical uh, sex doll that you can buy. Yes. And, and, and like, it is one of the things I think is most interesting that the original movie does, which is just about a husband and wife that move from the city to the suburbs because, like, it, the, the air is clean and they, they're they going to do a fresh start. He's a lawyer. She is a full-time mom. And photographer. Passionate about photography. Um, simple plot. And then nefariousness ensues. There is an interesting thing about um, how these women are... You don't get in the remake. How these women are preyed upon. Mm-hmm. Like the the way that one of the like the neighbor lady to our main family, she's like standing out in the yard one time pruning Carol. trees, Carol, and her husband comes round and just starts like groping her on like over her clothes. And there is you have these beings, you have these you have these products that essentially uh, consent is an issue because there's no such thing as not consenting. And so you you have these things that are that just exist for that, like, for all forms of exploitation, for work exploitation, for, like, emotional exploitation, for sexual exploitation. And then you have, like, when, you know, the, the, the our two amazing main characters, Bobby, who steals the show, the best friend of, oh, why am I blanking on the name of it? Joanna. Joanna. Yeah. Bobby and Joanna, they want to start, because this is the 70s, they want to start a consciousness-raising group for women in mm-hmm. Stepford because there's the men's association and they're always there every fucking night and no women are allowed, which is where they're plotting to turn their wives into Stepford robots. And they want to start a consciousness raising group about like women talking about their lives, but just women talking and being honest with each other about their lives. And when they finally basically bargain with one of the husbands to get them to tell their wives to come to the consciousness raising group in exchange for like, a little bit of help with a personal project one of the men is doing, which is his secret way of saying, I'm capturing your vocal and speech patterns so I can recreate the way you talk and put it into a robot and make you an artificial individual. Um, When they get to the consciousness raising group, the only thing the Stepford women can talk about are the incredible products that they use that make cleaning their homes easier. It sounds like, it's like a scene out of the Truman Show. It It is, it is. Yes, it's Laura Linney, like... Why don't you let me fix you some of this new Mococo drink? All natural cocoa beans from the upper slopes of Mount Nicaragua, no artificial sweeteners. What the hell are you talking about? Who are you talking to? I've tasted other Cocos. This is the best. And she's just like speaking to camera as an advertisement. That is exactly what they're doing. Right. They are, all they care about is like the best 
product for cleaning. There's also a great, one of the characters that is turned over the course of the movie, Charmaine. Mm-hmm. She's like this fabulous, like, bimbo queen. Yeah, the, like, vic- redheaded vixen. Yeah, she's very hot and very, like, sad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, And when she becomes a Stepford wife robot, she, one of the first things she shares with our leads, Joanna and Bobby, is that she um, fired the maid. Mm-hmm. Because she just wants to do all the housework now. Mm-hmm. So it is this, there's this commodity aspect of it yes. where these laboring machines are fuck toys, but mm-hmm. they're also like f- a free housekeeper. Yeah. It's truly like, well, we don't need to pay for the maid anymore because now my sex doll also cleans the house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also it's in the way that, the way that it laces in like th- these like, this like capitalistic advertisement for what a perfect woman is. Mm-hmm. Like she buys the right things and she tell her she tells her friends to buy the right things and they swap product tips and they look beautiful and they surely buy the things to look beautiful. Yes. Easy old's really that good, is it? Is it that good? Well, if time is your enemy, make friends with Easy on. That's all I can tell you. It's so good that if ever I became famous and the Easy on people asked me would I do a commercial? Not only would I do it, I'd do it for free. That's how good it is. They are, it is, in the way that advertisements are not real life and you have, like, the conversation, you know, ongoing and forever, but I think it's it's so much more out in the open now, the conversation doesn't feel as hot as it typically always has been, but then again, like, the reality of, like, you know, the higher risk of teen suicide rate for, like, girls who are on Instagram and things like that and, and mental health issues surrounding it, like, what you have sort of in the image economy based around, like, influencers and social media is an extension of the conversation around, like, the industrial beauty complex mm. and advertising and right. impossible beauty standards in editorials and in film and, and among celebrities. And so what you have in this is, like, you have, like, the industrial beauty complex, like, displayed within these women. You have them living out the impossible beauty standards enforced by media by themselves almost becoming pieces of media who are just advertising a lifestyle. Oh my god, I love that. But they can't, and so they can't be, they can't, you can't be real and be an advertisement for a lifestyle. No. And they're not. They are not. They are not. They do not have any interests outside of the best way to clean the house yeah. and the best way to please their husband. These are these are just these are the these are nineteen seventies like origin beings for like the idea of face tuning. Yeah. <laughs> for the idea of like people struggling with the notion of like an edited life versus a real life and the idea of envying edited lives when a snapshot of somebody couldn't possibly convey their entire thing. These women are just a series of idealized snapshots. There's a great part. And it's what the men want. Yes. There's, there's an excellent part towards the end where Walter, her husband, Walter, who is like the baldest and golfiest of all of them. (laughs) um, Just a, a simpering, sad little twerp Mm -hmm. who like when we first, when he first joins the men's association, Mm -hmm. Joanna comes home and finds him like, weeping yeah. and she's like yeah he's just in a dark room glassy-eyed drinking yeah and she's like what's wrong babe and he's like i just had such a fun night with the men's association it's fine so he has one night where he's like mm, killing my wife <laughs> i feel bad about it yeah and then he's fine after then that. he's fine totally into it not a problem at all he there's a part towards the end where she's seen bobby transformed into this 
Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, and she comes home and she's very, very upset. Bobby, who is a hellfire, like yeah, hellcat. Amazing yeah. character. Just like huge personality. Yeah. Incredible sense of humor. Yeah, I was completely obsessed. Yeah, she, <laughs> she's the true star of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, I'm Bobby. Bobby Marco. That's upward mobility for Marco Witz. I'm also an ex-Gothamite who's been living here in Ajax country for just over a month now. And I'm going crazy. You see, doctor. My problem is that, given complete freedom of choice, I don't want to squeeze the goddamn Charmin. Joanna comes home and tells her husband, like, Bobby has completely changed. Her personality is gone. Mm -hmm. She's just like these other bimbos in town. Mm -hmm. Like, she is nothing like the Bobby I know. Mm -hmm. Bobby, it's gotten to you now. Nothing's got me. I just want to look like a woman. And keep my house looking decent, too. And Walter says, good. Yeah. And then he yeah. says, maybe you should be like Joanne or like Bobby. Mm-hmm. I mean, when are things going to start sparkling around here? That's what I'd like to know. I mean, just look at the way my kids are dressed. Ragamuffins. Jeez, I work 80 hours a week. I live in a great house and my kids look like they belong on welfare. She asked for so little. This mm-hmm. is a woman who is a stay-at-home mom already. Yeah happily moved to this shitty ass suburb with Mm -hmm. her husband is doing her best to make friends in town yeah the only thing that she has for herself is Mm -hmm. photography Mm -hmm. and she has this secret dream of being like a famous artist yeah and he she doesn't really bring it up with him at all she doesn't ask him to look at her work it's like her thing that she does on her own that never affects him never and he's like fuck your photography I would rather have a wife that has no personality mm-hmm. or interest at all. Mm-hmm. Like, she already is not a fully fleshed out... She doesn't have a huge personality. Mm-hmm. Like, she's mostly, like, witnessing the world. But it's still cool. She's cool. She is she's a cool character. Fashion. She and, and she, like... I, what I appreciate about this movie is because it, it's, like, with the remake... The, with the remake is, like, you know... Hey, well, let's make this about a she-eo in, in Nicole Kidman's character who's, like, big as life and shrill and awful, basically. Yeah, awful. And and is a castrating bitch. Mm-hmm. And we have this character who's, like, she's beautiful. She likes photography. She's, like, into women's rights. And, you know, is unhappy. It, she constantly is pushing back on her husband. Not, like, aggressively, but just, like, God, those guys are fucking boring. Are you kidding me? Walter, you must agree. My God, they're worse than your senior partners. New projects committee. They ought to start by working on themselves. She, she is, she tries to keep him honest in very realistic ways throughout the entire movie. Like she likes his personality. Yeah, she's respectful. Which of is weird. The type of person that he is. Yeah. He's like, God, I wish you just were a yes woman. And, yeah. I wish you didn't tell me to have nicer friends. Yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate that throughout the movie. She, because I feel like what we typically get in arc is like an agreeable woman who becomes galvanized to independence and whether or not she succeeds or fails, that's not the matter. But like this woman from the beginning is like, dude, don't bullshit a bullshitter. She's like, these people suck. You can't tell me otherwise. Like, I miss the city. I miss the noise. Like, I want to have this one thing for myself. And she meets Bobby and is so relieved to just meet another woman with a personality and so grateful to have a friend. And it's hilarious because it's the 70s. Nobody's monitoring their own children. They're out running amok. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows where the children are? Nobody was keeping track of their kids till, like, the 90s. I, like... It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your children are? 
Like, uh-huh. we hadn't got there yet. Everyone was feral. And so she's... I, she seems like a person you'd sincerely want to hang out with. Yeah. And it makes it makes the preposterousness, because it's all evil, but it makes the preposterousness of how this nerdy lawyer is with this, like, hot, cool, with it 70s chick. Right. Who asks it, the only thing she asks him for a moment is just like, I don't, I just don't want to live here specifically. Yeah. Like, okay, fine. Another fucking suburb. Anywhere else but Stepford. But anywhere but Stepford. And for a minute you think he might acquiesce. But of course, you know, that doesn't happen. But it's just like, it's like when you, the Janet Jackson doc aired not too long ago. By the time this comes out, it will have been a bit in the past. But like, I remember that the evening on Twitter when people were watching the Janet Jackson documentary and everybody got to the part at the same time where there was a collective either realization or remembering that Jermaine Dupree had been married to Janet Jackson and had cheated on her. Okay. Jermaine Dupree. I'm not going to make this a podcast about ad hominem attacks on people. (laughs) But I'm, you can Google them as a couple. And it's like, it's like, um, like Halle Berry's ex-man cheating on her. It's like, really fucking Jermaine, Janet Jackson, really, really guy who was with Halle Berry. You thought you could do better? There's literally, it's literally never, there's (laughs) probably multiple times, like the fight in the fucking elevator. Like, there is no good enough. Yeah. So the, like, the, the it's, it's about power. It's a, it is about power. I almost booped yeah, Margot's nose just now. My little nose. And it was like, it, cause it, in the, like, in that, in that way of talking about that the fem, like, the feminine ideal is impossible for women to achieve. Yeah. It is also true that when the ideal is achieved, it is not good enough. Yes for the patriarchal enforcers who would even create their model woman. Right. Because there's no fucking way that once they get tired of their step, for their individual Stepford wives, they're right. going to start fucking each other's wives. Oh, yes. Because why would you have, why would you have the one, keep the one you have at home when you could just rotate them around? It's not like they're going to fucking care. Like, the goalpost just keeps moving. So the idea of, like, the feminine ideal, it is impossible to maintain for both sides of the equation. Right. Because one will always want to continue stacking their power that they have to exploit the subjugated person, the subjugated object, the robot, and the woman is just the fucking casualty in it all. Right. We've been talking about, in, in previous episodes, robots um, robots as marginalized people trying to pass as, like, normative human mm-hmm. and, like, trying to fit in and be accepted in society mm-hmm. as, like, as, like, the type of human that should be accepted in society mm-hmm. according to the hegemonic majority, whatever. Yes. Um, and when those robots are women, it's like women, human women cannot pass as women. Like we can't pass as human. We cannot get, because we can't, we are not afforded, Mm -hmm. um, access to, to power and the hegemonic majority. Mm -hmm. We are, um, and you know, asterisk for girl bosses. We'll get to that. Yeah. (laughs) But, but we are never able to, um, it's always we're as you say we're never able to achieve the type of femininity that will be enough, mm-hmm. and we will know ne- it will never not be about power mm-hmm. for um for people that want us to be better. And the thing about it, it you know, it seems proven throughout time and in history when when people a problem with power is that often uh, people in positions of great sums of it they're not necessarily content with the amount they have, and it's about amassing more. Mm-hmm. It's like when you become very rich. 
and you get upset about taxes because you're like, well, you can't take my money. It's like, you have a billion monies, though. Yeah. Like, but the idea of compounding that wealth and compounding that power becomes part of the pursuit of, of keeping it. Yes. And it's no longer about comfort and security. It's no. About more, more, more. It, more, more, more. And so you look at, I think it's a capitalist critique from Jordan. <laughs> Uh, anything to make you happy. And it, what I think the, what I, I like about the absolute fucking, it's like a Mickey sized hand slapping you across the face <laughs> in the remake. What I do like about the, um, complete overt ridiculousness of the, the fembots in that movie is how far away it is as it is a demonstration of how far it is from normative. Yeah. And the, Example, because like it's a bit more naturalistic in the the 70s one. And clearly these men don't want normal women in the 70s one. But it really just blows that out of proportion and and makes it super hyperbolic in the remake that the what we talk so much on this podcast about so far is the idea of that that ideal of being modeled against a normative human Mm -hmm. and replicating the normative human. And if you become too human, then it's a problem. Or if you're not human enough, it's a problem. And this is an interesting case, I think, where... It is so just obviously the norm is exactly what the men do not want. Yes, they and would so prefer they prefer yes, the robot. They prefer they they have they pre, that is their preference. They have designed to exact specifications. They absolutely do not want the normal human. The normal human woman is the problem, right? Because they have dislikes and wants and needs and interests of their own. Yeah, that get in the way. You're a better speaker, a better executive. You're even better sex. Don't deny it. I wasn't going to. Well, don't I get anything? You got me. No, I got to hold your purse. So it's it is in it is it's an interesting from from you know we're talking about AI and talking about Blade Runner and things where the ideal is that achievement yes. of the un not disturbing completely integrated yes assimilated assimilated have to run a fucking extensive test on them to see if they're human beings that in this case for men who want sex bots at home the idea of normal functioning um seamlessly integrated women into society is like oh god fucking no it's so true we want to remake society to take out the the female norm because that's a goddamn headache for us yes 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 the fully embodied fully realized autonomous intelligent human woman is more of a threat than ai ever would be all of us we marry wonder women supergirls amazon queens well you know what that makes us Smart, worthy, lucky. We're the wuss. The wind beneath your wings, your support system. We're the girl. And we don't like no, it. No, we don't. Yeah, that's right. Damn right. Yeah, like Rachel is not, Rachel from Blade Runner is not who these people want. No. That is not like, that. that is, sure, as a secretary, she would be functional, but she's still a, She's still a bit too standard. Yeah, she still says no a little too much. Yeah, she's still a bit too concerned with how things might be a little off around here. Yeah. So this is just like, it's, it, the, it is so terrifying to think about how like what the, the fembot kind of seems to be in a, in a certain part of its idealized version is it's just a lobotomized woman. That That's you can what I was gonna say. Weird science, the body of the what's what's so interesting about the '70s version is like 1974, and the, I mean the book that it's based on written mm. before then. Like this was a time when 
women being lobotomized was still like in cultural memory right like the the cure for you know to you know women were diagnosed with hysteria and they were locked away they were put on aggressive regiments of drugs they their teeth were pulled because that was going to be somehow some sort of cure electroshock therapy and then they would come home and they would be all better and they would be lobotomized yeah and and I think that, like, the most robotic, other than the um, uncanny repetition that some of the characters get when they glitch yeah. in the original, the most uncanny quality about them is that they just seem like lobotomized women, as mm-hmm. you say. When I was just going to give you coffee. When I was just going to give you coffee. When I was just going to give you... And so it's, like, what I appreciate about... Um, you know, we've talked a lot about the, the penetrative gaze yes. of robot cinema. Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that this movie is about um, ogling women, mm-hmm. in a sense, it is a feminist movie. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, there is no penetration of the bodies of these women yeah. to reveal their robotic interior. Mm-hmm. There's the heavy implication. Yeah, that the they're... 70s one is like the absence of technology in, yes. our, in our purview. Yeah, they're, they're, the implication is that they're animatronic because they're created by Diz, the former <laughs> employee from Disney. <laughs> Fucking Disney land. Imagineer. Yes, and he says, like, I worked with the animatronics. And so we under, and because they glitch and they don't bleed, we understand, okay, these are robots. Yeah. But there is never a sloughing off of skin no. or a, um, an exposing of inner gears. There's only the subtle, uh, subtle behavior of yeah. women who have lost their ability to have a frontal lobe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I think makes it all feel a little bit more nuanced because the the roboticism of these women is just like something that actually could happen to women and that for a while was preferred mm-hmm. for their husbands. Well, and and it the a thing that the a, a very effective thing that the 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 original does so well is that when that constant dread of when you realize and and when Joanna realizes she's constantly being observed. I like to watch women doing little domestic chores. Like, one man spends an entire, like, drinks and cigars evening in their living room in her home just drawing her. And he's a famous artist, so it's somewhat flattering when he hands over a picture of her and is like, oh, does, you want to see what I've been doing all night long? He's been drawing a model of her because when the Stepfords get swapped in for the real people, they hang the portrait of the of the woman in the home. And it becomes like some weird fucking, like, I don't like know. signifier. Yeah, like, like replacement. don't worry, like, this house is clear kind yeah. of thing of women. And when you, one of the, a thing I think about a lot in my trademark hot girl sympathy is the I'm I'm very a very terrifying or troubling or fascinating whatever cross-section of things you want to think about it aspect of being a woman in the world is how visible you are Mm. and when people can see you the more visible you are the more entitled people feel to your space to your time perhaps to your body to whatever it is about you. And with being attractive comes a heightened degree of visibility. It's like it's like a form of celebrity in its way. It's kind of form of fame. Like celebrity is sort of the like illogical conclusion of this kind of visibility where it enters a realm of just like un, sort of unbelievable to conceptualize. It, it's outside the average. But like you have 
women who are the, and these women who are very visible, the more visible you are, the more entitled people are to you and perhaps in a violent way to access you because why would you have a fucking say? Right. You, I can see you. Right. You are, you are, therefore I can have you. And in this entire movie, you are surrounded by the notion that these women who are, the women who are left, the organic women who are left, Bobby, Joanna, um, Charmaine, they're constantly being surveilled. They are, they are victims by virtue of how visible they are, by how much the nail that they are, that is sticking out is going to get hammered down. Yes. And they're all very, they're all very beautiful. They're all very like kind of body and intelligent, this trio, Bobby, Charmaine, Joanna. If we could get a consciousness raising group going, you'd come? What? A consciousness raising session. A bitching session, you mean? Sure. <laughs> like a shot, I You wouldn't believe what Ed tries putting me through. He has a rubber suit made for me in England. Ah, where? <laughs> How about that, sports fans? And it just, it, it, it makes the movie so uncomfortable in a way that I, it's a topic I think about a lot, that notion of just the scrutiny of just existing as right. a woman in the world. Right. And this takes that like, yeah, because when you're being watched, that, that means people are thinking things about you and those things could be very bad and who knows what they're planning and plotting. Yes. And in a, you know, a sci-fi horror scenario, they're plotting to turn you into a robot. But in like a real world scenario, it's like they're plotting to follow me home and fucking attack me. Right. And both of those things are a demonstration of power and dominion over my body that I don't get to have right. a say They're in. trying to possess me. Yeah. They're watching and planning to possess me. To, to dominate me, me. To control me. Yes. 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 Where, and, and in the same sense, like, the controlling power of the gaze is not afforded to these women. Throughout mm-hmm. the movie, these women are constantly trying to engage in the role of voyeur mm-hmm. and being um, having that power taken away from them. Yes. Where, where the characters are... the char- Like, for example, there's a scene in both movies where the characters go... Um, they're going around and, like, trying to start the consciousness-raising group. Yes, the consciousness-raising. And they peer into one house, and they sort of wander in. The door is unlocked. <laughs> they're trying to find the wife of, of whoever lives in this house. Yeah. And, um, and they overhear uh, some very erotic soft porn sex noises yeah. coming from upstairs. Yeah. Saying words like, You're the master, Frank. Yeah. Oh, you're the champion, Frank. In the sequel, in the remake, rather, it's played, like, really over-the-top hilarious. Yeah. But, but, like, the characters are delighted to be overhearing this. They're like, oh, my God. Like, (laughs) why do they have a happy sex life? But in other, like, so that's sort of the first first moment where they get to be voyeurs. Mm -hmm. But every moment after that, Joanna, like, goes where she isn't supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And consequences are brutal for yeah. doing that she takes her dog on a walk mm-hmm. and just her the, her dog like leads her to the edge of the men's association mm-hmm. building mm-hmm. and a cop from town comes up and is like shouldn't be walking around alone at night <laughs> and she has an amazing quip one of the reasons i moved from the city was so i could walk around at night um, which is an amazing line. Yeah. But he's like, well, you shouldn't walk here. Mm-hmm. And the consequence for her walking her dog by that building mm-hmm. is that then the next day, like, the men come and take the they dog. They steal the fucking dog. Like, she doesn't get to have a dog anymore. Yeah. 
the dog is murdered. So, <laughs> yeah. she, so there's no possible chance that she would creep into the building again mm-hmm. or even near it. Like any type of curious gaze that she try, tries to appropriate for herself, mm-hmm. not allowed. Yeah. And finally, when she does like penetrate into the house in that final third act, that wonderful like haunted house sequence where mm-hmm. she goes into the men's association and, and so is navigating through these creepy hallways when she finally sees like the monster that she's looking for, mm-hmm. it is the robot version of herself mm-hmm. with pitch black eyes and huge like prosthetic tits. Yeah. <laughs> who comes at her with a pair of nylons and strangles her to death. Yeah. And it's like so when women impl- like when women take possession of the gaze mm-hmm. and try to use it for their own benefit, mm-hmm. their dog is murdered. And then they are murdered. <laughs> and in, in in both the in in both the, the the remake and the original, you have men talking in, in these moments of like the reckoning when they're inside the association of like, but this is what's best for you and for me. Mm-hmm. You have that patronizing, fucking like. But don't you don't don't you not want to be encumbered by all those like ugly feminist worries anymore silly interests and hobbies of yours yeah like don't you want to be perfect and like don't you wouldn't you love to have a handsome chiseled man at home who was constantly showering you with compliments and taking care of the house it's like yeah but you're saying that and i don't get to have that that's not for me that's not for me sure i would love yeah and like no i get to have as you know as joanna in distress is talking about how it's inconceivable but that the pharmacist would be married to the hottie who he is the one she overheard having like ridiculously loud sex with on frank a the champion frank the champion on a weekday afternoon she just so with so much hatred in her voice and she it's like she can't come up with anything better because it's just so appalling she's like there's a man he, he's a druggist he, he runs the pharmacy and he's nothing He's nothing, but his wife is just breathtaking. I love that scene. <laughs> it is that, amazing. It's one of a few really, to me, critical scenes in the original that do not translate into a scene in the remake. Mm-hmm. It's there's there's that scene where Joanna is encouraged by Walter to seek out therapy mm-hmm. because he's like, "You're crazy." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he's like, why don't you see one of the psychs in town? Yeah. And she's like, fuck that no. place. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to seek help mm-hmm. and I'm going to go out of town to do it. So she goes to this like very quaint. It's like a fucking cottage. Yes, in psychotherapist Middle in Earth. <laughs> like. Middle Earth, Connecticut. <laughs> and she, um, she gets like professional opinion about this yeah. and she confides in this woman and she says, for example, Frank is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he has this beautiful hot wife. And she starts to list these examples of how she feels like she's going fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And she's worried that her personality is going to be taken away from mm-hmm. her. And that she's going to be replaced. Mm-hmm. And she knows that what she's saying is crazy. But she just needs, she feels like she's in danger. Mm-hmm. And the therapist, like, kneels down on her level, takes her hand. Yeah, she initially, like, she's initially like, well, I'm going to go out of town for the weekend. But when I come back, we'll check in first thing. And then Joanna says more. And then the, the therapist realizes, like, oh my god. Yeah. Even if she's not going to be turned into a rope, like, even if she's quote-unquote crazy, yeah. like, like she, she feels that she's in danger. So yeah. this therapist, like, takes her by the hand and is like... All right, now listen. I'll give you a prescription, which you have filled. Then you gather up your children and you get the hell away! Don't tell your husband, don't tell anyone, just go wherever you feel safe. Yeah, run. Leave him. 
get the fuck out. Yeah. It is so... And this is after Bobby has already been turned. Yeah. So it's so unbelievably validating that, yeah. like, all hope is lost. And this woman, this professional girl mom, <laughs> is looking her in the eyes and is like, I believe you. You are in danger. Mm-hmm. And you need to go. And the other scene that is so good that I wish had been in the Nicole Kidman remake is when she, um, when she and Bobby, prior to Bobby's robot transformation, she and Bobby go to... Um, they, their their current theory is that there's something contaminating the water. Right, yeah. So they want to test the water with an outside source professional chemist. And fortunately, Joanna has an ex who was a chemist. Who was at one point the love of her life. Yeah, he's kind of the one that got away. Yeah. So they go, like, into the city. They visit this chemist. The chemist uh, is, like, a sweet, sort of hunky mm-hmm. Mark Ruffalo type. Very 70s hunky. Yeah. Yeah. Hence why I say Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know he's covered in hair. Yeah. Mm, and it's soft. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, confirms that the water is clean. Mm-hmm. But he also, like, has this tender moment of, like, confiding in Joanna that neither of them is happy in their marriage. Yeah. And maybe they could, like, handle huh? things. And there's sort of, like, the hope that there is a better life for her and she could have that Mm -hmm. and then she gets fucking murdered by her double (laughs) and it it's such a it all it's such a fascinating foundation on which to build the house of the the aughts remake pardon the interruption everybody but i have a very important question to ask you right now and that question is folks do you love movies do you spend your days thinking about how much you love to watch them the good ones, and even the bad ones everyone told you not to like, it sounds like Super Yaki is the place for you. The team at Super Yaki loves movies, so much so that they've dedicated every waking moment of their lives to bringing you top-quality merchandise to showcase your love for them. From bumper stickers that tell the world about your love of the 1999 classic The Mummy, to stylish hats that celebrate the fine works of Nora Ephron. They even have super soft t-shirts based on the internet's favorite collective husband, Oscar Isaac. Super Yaki brings you tangible love letters to movies and filmmakers that you can wear with pride. Plus, the team at Super Yaki screen prints all their apparel using eco-friendly, 100% water-based inks, and ships with compostable poly mailers for an environmentally friendly alternative to online shopping. If the spirit moves you, you can find them at superyaki.com. Let's watch more movies. And if you want to watch more movies in your Super Yaki apparel with a little bit of a 10% discount, you can enter this code, BOTCAST, capitals, all the way along, B-O-T-C-A-S-T, for a little bit of robot pod love over at Super Yaki. And if you check out their site right now through May 1, you can start ordering from their timed edition celebrating those Star Wars prequels the Super Yaki team loves so much in a collaboration with both Blake Jones and Talking Bay. Get yourself a airbrushed tee that says Ewan and Hayden on it with airbrushed hearts. Come on now. Get on Super Yaki, use the botcast code, and thanks so much. Yeah, because we should talk about it. Yeah, we, it, it takes, it, it kind of, it's like, it's like you can't be sure that you're safe in the point of view of the movie. Because we start with a castrating bitch in Nicole Kidman's career woman. Like, this isn't the, she's the breadwinner now. We've gender swapped, kind oh, of. Oh, yeah. She's we, married to a cuck. A she, full cuck. <laughs> full cuck, played by Matthew Broderick. 
and cuck actor to be honest <laughs> cuck actor known cuck actor <laughs> matthew roderick um and it, it's like it's like well we're gonna we want you to take her side in the end but at the same time we're also gonna kind of make the ceo girl boss that is nicole kidman in this movie I am so excited, I am so on fire, I am so guts and glory passionate about what I am about to show you. And make her the end result of what if Joanna didn't get Stepforded and women were allowed to rise unchecked. Yes, exactly. And it and you don't like her. No, we she, start wanting her to be different. Yeah, you're like, this is, yeah, I don't want to know this person. I don't want to hang out with this person. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to be a part of a consciousness raising group with Nicole Kidman's Joanna. Right. She is pretty awful to hang out with. And her husband is sympathetic and accommodating and sweet. And obviously he starts, he starts getting tempted to drink the Kool-Aid in Stepford and surprise twist everybody. He ends up, he, this movie ends up in the day saving hands Mm. of Walt in the remake because nothing says a clean resolution to a Stepford movie like a man coming to save the day. And, but we are like, you never, Walter is always kind and he gets a little bit bitchy about the men's association and about like, I'll be home when, you know, at one point Joanna's like, well, when are you going to be home? He's like, when I'm home. And you're like, well, okay, dickhead. But for the most part, besides little moments like that, you're never really supposed to not sympathize with Walter. Right. In the original, Walter is, there's the, a part of the joy of the nuance of the original is that Walter seems like a nice guy. Mm Mm-hmm. And even the nice guys can fall victim to the desire to, like, control, fully control their wife. Yeah. Like, even the guy that that Joanna fell in love with and married and thought was the love of her life um, could become the person that wants to abuse you down the road. Mm-hmm. Because control is very tempting and yeah. power is corrupting. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have to be, like converted to the dark side like mm-hmm. he's he's just decides to be on board yeah he wants that yeah and in this it's really disappointing in the remake that we the, the one nice guy character that we meet is no more nuanced than just like turns out he was a good guy the whole time the whole time because good guys can't be corrupted no and and the only one that really changes in the, the only one that changes in their marriage is joanna yeah because they have you know they have the fight she at one point softer. yeah she becomes blonde and they have they have the yeah a main component of stepfordizing women in <laughs> the remake is definitely just making them very blonde <laughs> this is a very anti-brunettes movie oh and <laughs> and um there is, like, because there's the couple fight in the first one where he says the, like, you know, if you would just stop with that photography bullshit and pay more attention to your kids, like, I wouldn't be embarrassed about them. And in this one, the fight is Walter being, like, you stopped caring about us. And it's yes. it's it's gender swapping that argument in a way that's, like, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't apply this direction. Yes. Actually. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't actually, not this way, the, in the way that you think it counts, does it count in this direction? And Joanna immediately acquiesces and is, like, you're right. And he's like, about what? And she's like, about everything. Oh, about me. Ugh. So she resolves. And then he gives her the order, like, no more wearing black because only ball-busting career women Yeah, wear he's black. like, now I'm going to control your fashion choices. And she's like, you're right. You're right. And the, he does, there is the great moment where he's like, you know. Only high-powered, neurotic, castrating Manhattan career bitches wear black. Is that what you want to be? Ever since I was a little girl. 
Which is great. Which is a great line. And the performances in this are good. Nicole Kidman is selling this. Matthew Broderick, cuck, great. Yeah. Christopher Walken, weird as ever. Glenn Close. Glenn Close going to the maximum. Bette Midler. Bette Midler, perfectly Bette Midler. She's our Bobby in this one. She's our Bobby, and we get a gay character. Oh, which, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that Roger is the gay version of Charmaine. Because yeah. we don't have Charmaine. Yeah, the there's version. a nod to Charmaine in the grocery store at one point. It's like an Easter egg, but that's it. Right. So Roger is an interesting, throws an interesting wrench in this whole conversation we've been having about like the fembot, the fembot mystique, mm-hmm. which is he, when he becomes a fembot, mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a he-bot, mm-hmm. <laughs> a him, him-bot, a robot. Yeah. <laughs> when he becomes a Stepford husband, mm-hmm. his bleach tips get darkened yeah and he becomes a republican (laughs) college a homonormative republican politician yeah he's running for state senate yes who like in his senate speech talks about like good christian values yes you may very well ask what are my qualifications for higher office well i believe in stepford america and the power of prayer i feel like it does throw a wrench into the nuanced critique of this movie where feminism is concerned because well that i think is and i think that gets to like the the end of this movie which is that it is unveiled yeah that not only is matthew broderick the hero not yes. only is walt the hero because he was like i couldn't do it why not because she's not a science project because i didn't marry something from radio shack it's a shame. No. That's a man. Then it gets revealed that Mike, Christopher Walken's character, the head of the men's association, esteemed Mike, he's the robot, and yes. Glenn Close is the mastermind of he's it all. the actual mad scientist. Who, yes. <laughs> bless her heart, found her husband cheating on her with her young hot research assistant, and she killed them both. And, and then made a robo version. Yeah, and then made a robot version and has been happily living married to Mike the entire, you know, this entire time right. in Stepford. And it makes, in the end, like, it's like the movie starts out by making a parody of feminism and concludes by telling you that actually this is just about not wanting ugliness in the world. Because Glenn Close's entire thing... A world of romance and beauty... Of tuxedos and chiffon. A perfect world. But you were married to a robot. The perfect man. Yeah. And not only is that not, it's like not strictly attached to female robots because she wanted a chivalrous white knight husband too. Right. And so it just becomes about this Serena Joy commander hybrid who just wanted a world of beauty and so it kind of gets stripped of everything. <laughs> well, I mean, I appreciate the comparison to Ser- Serena Joy because I think what what the, what nuance the remake is trying to capture mm-hmm. is like women can be anti-feminist. Yeah, w- yes, like, which I appreciate. Yes, and I think like the the figure of the girl boss in twenty twenty two feminism yeah. is an anti-feminist woman mm-hmm. or a version of like strong like female capitalist that yeah. is like not actually an intersectionally positive ethical version of a strong woman. One could argue. Yeah. So, I think, <laughs> so I think like 
when we when we meet Nicole Kidman and we understand that she is an unhappy, frigid mm-hmm. ice queen bitch mm-hmm. who is who's been running a, a, TV who's network running a TV network like a fucking navy captain, right. and she is bringing in record ratings, record dollars. She is a bad bitch right. until one of her shows drives a man to kill his uh, former wife who left him to have sex with other people, and then it's a corporate scandal, and she gets fired, and so she goes into a crisis and breaks down, and that's why they moved to stuff. Right, so she, we start with this figure of a version of femininity, a version of of women getting their rights. Yes, yes, getting their rights. That has gone too far. It's gone too far. now making not only the women who have the rights, but everyone else in their lives unhappy. Mm -hmm. And your whole attitude makes people want to kill you. It makes people try to kill you. This is not... And putting them at actual risk. Yeah, achieving... Achieving the feminist goals has rendered Nicole Kidman unbelievably unhappy, mm-hmm. and her life is in shambles because of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's her decision. And to but go for to the Stepford. grace of her patient husband, she would be alone certainly. Yeah. So she decides to go to Stepford because she says, "Maybe that man who tried to shoot me, maybe he was right. Maybe I've become the wrong kind of woman. Maybe I've made all of the wrong decisions." She consents to changing and she's ready to change and she wants to change, which yeah. I think is kind of more, there's there's a fun subversion happening where Joanna, instead of being pressured to change and wanting so badly not to, feels the pressure to change and is like, sure, like, I don't like myself. Mm-hmm. I don't like this type of woman that I am. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will like do- domesticity better. Mm-hmm. She decides, fuck that noise. Yeah. There has to be something better than the feminine mystique. Yeah. Um, and so there is like, the movie is trying to be nuanced. It's trying to be like the feminism, the girl boss feminism is bad and capitalist. Mm -hmm. It's not really making that argument, but I am. (laughs) (laughs) The girl boss feminism is bad, Mm -hmm. um, and makes women frigid castrating bitches. The domesticity feminism, feminist, feminine mystique feminism, or (laughs) the feminine mystique is also bad like but there has to be a middle ground yeah basically mm-hmm. um and instead of just f- foregrounding a character like joanna in the original movie who is already just like a normal fully formed human woman who yeah. is happy and fulfilled in her life which spoiler alert is easily attainable <laughs> yes it can be done it's sort of the movie sort of posits like to like achieving this kind of middle ground is extremely difficult yeah and requires like a trial by fire of (laughs) trying both options yeah and then like figuring out the perfect balance with the help of your ever-loving husband Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then at the end we have glenn close as you say this the reveal that like it it's not that i I, the reason I, i liked your comparison to serena joy is like the girl boss is a bad version of feminist and this, like, type of woman who wants, who believes that the feminine mystique of domesticity is ideal femininity. Yeah. Um, is bad for women, too. Mm-hmm. And that type of person is bad. But it just ends up feeling like women are the bad guys the yes. whole movie. Yes. And the men who are, like, interested in controlling and raping their robot wives. Yes are just, like, victims of her, like, coercing and convincing. Mm-hmm. And they're just, like, dumb idiots along for the ride. So, I decided to turn back the clock. 
to a time before overtime, before quality time, before women were turning themselves into robots. It really defeat. Anyway, I don't like it. <laughs> well, it, well, it was great sitting sitting next to Margot while she's watching it because it was like in the finale where Glenn Close just starts hitting the gas. It's like she she was at, at times uh, pantomiming vomiting. At times going, okay, I love it. And then being like, fuck this. And then being like, all right, we love that. And yes. just like going back and forth in the... <laughs> well, because Glenn Close says, <laughs> she says when she's giving her villain monologue, which like a queen can give a villain monologue. I may very well be the only decent human being left. In Stepford? In the world! <gasps> she's fabulous. When she, she starts by being like, well, Joanna... I was just like you, overworked, <laughs> overstressed, a frigid fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and that she was like girl boss. Yeah. And her girl bosshood. Yeah, she was led. like, I was a neurosurgeon and like genetic engineer. It's like, you were fucking both? I know. And <laughs> we love that for you. Yeah, wow. But she, like, because she was girl boss, mm-hmm. she, she lost her husband. Mm-hmm. I was driven exhausted until late one night I came home to find Mike with Patricia my brilliant blonde 21 year old research assistant it was also ugly and it's fully posited as it's presented that like that was her fault. 100% her fault. Yeah, the movie's definitely being like and that was my bad. She kills them, creates a robot version and is like now like the only way for me to achieve happiness is to like shed all of the power that mm-hmm. I have attained and become slave. Mm-hmm. To be slave is to I'm choosing slave. Yeah, yeah. And I'm choosing that for all the other women that enter this town. And see, we talked about this while we were watching it. If genius Glenn Close Wants to be married to a perfect robot man. Well, good for her. Oh, yeah. Good for her. If you, if, if he's dead already, you know, the killing of the husband thing, it's like, well, that probably is like a little too far. But it's like, okay, well, he's dead. He's gone. Say you just want to from the ground up, though, not involving murdering other people, create for yourself a perfect robot spouse, companion, partner. Yeah, we love, we have love a that. great fucking time. Yeah. But like, what you can't do is the, um, you can't stop Stepford plans for global domination of instilling beauty back into the world by sapping the personhood out of people and making them robots. You can't do that. Glenn, you could have had that self-determination. But it once she had power, Mm -hmm. she decided to extend that and being like, well, I'm going to remake the human race in this idea. Yes. And that's like, okay, that's a movie. But that's not a Stepford Wives. That's not Stepford Wives. Like, it's... in how it's so funny how quickly we move in this movie because like the speed with which Joanna's like this is the the women are wrong here and the speed with Walter's like I like it here I fit perfectly it's like I think you guys moved in two days ago like everything happens so quickly it's completely collapsed like okay that's funny whatever like do what you do but what we miss in those like and we talked about this those little details of surveillance and those little details of the because the men are painted as buffoons yeah like they're There's fools no that happening yeah it's just idiots they're 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 idiots who burp and fart and play battle bots in the men's association it's like 
yeah, that's what I imagine the, the dorm house dream of d- adult children dudes. Like, that. yes. Like, there it is, guys. They're as uncomplicated as you think. But it, like, it makes them jokes while having them do this sinister, critically sinister, terrible thing of turning their wives into literal ATMs. Yeah. And, and fuck robots. And it, 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 it makes so comically big the, like, adjustment of women's bodies to make them more, like, cartoonishly voluptuous in a way that's, like, yeah, I see that you're playing like this for a gag, but like the point is, is this is really scary. Yeah, and it's like it, it's like it. It's a Frank Oz movie. It's it's interesting choices that he made. Like, why take out the horror of what this actually means for women to make it a like, almost like like all lives matter. I know. I feel like in it the is, end, it is a little bit like the by making a satire by taking a horror movie and and making a satirical remake of it there is the implication that yes satire is social commentary Mm -hmm. so this the the film is still trying to do feminist social commentary Mm -hmm. i believe yeah yes that is its effort i really do too but but there is like taking a horror and making it into a comedy it there is the implication that like we are past the horror of this yes that is i think that's absolutely essential is there is an implication that we are past the horror of the particular kind of terror and and threat that existed in the 70s. Yes, the domestic expectation. When in in not only is that not true, it was so virulently still present in different ways in the 2000s specifically. Right. Like the that post-feminist lens that 2004's a Stepford White like Oh my god. I mean, right. I'm sure there there must be some crossover with the odds pod on here and the notion that the <laughs> fucking nihilistic nationalist post 2000s like aggressively enforced gender binary cw mandroid era <laughs> with like the pure cruelty of 2000s genre the lack of nuance in so many popular movies that just like we're going for big glitzy glossy high dollar grab your attention for as long as we can hold it kind of attitude you look at the horror from this time and it's like oh wow we were uniquely not suited to be remaking the stepford wives in the 2000s unless you were going to come in with one of the most genius fucking movies ever made like it is that's what I would consider Jennifer's body. But like, I feel like the, the failure of Jennifer's body and the values of the studio system and the media culture and the celebrity machine and the like angel whore binary that was required to sacrifice all famous women on at the time, you look at the failure of Jennifer's body and it's like, yeah, unless you were going to have two people like a and Kusama and a Diablo Cody working together to subvert the entire era in which they were making the movie that was complete perfect time capsule of the era that it was made in your Stepford Wives was not going to work. Unless you had somebody with a perfect eagle eye fucking yeah, view. A brilliant take. On that era specifically, being like, yes, things have changed since the 70s, but here's why we're still in a parallel track to where we were then. Right. And why we're doing, like, progress in the guise of no hate campaigns. Well, <laughs> well, like the 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 campaign to condemn gay marriage is running along a, a, a campaign running alongside a campaign to promote gay marriage, and both are at the expense of like actual queer liberation and in, in favor of like homonormativity. Right, the Roger Stepford. Exactly, it, it's like 
it doesn't know what rights for Roger actually looks like. Yeah. So the idea of showing us what rights for Roger doesn't look like is like, I'm actually not sure you know what the inverse of this is. Right, right, right. And so it's like, it becomes a thing of like, you, I, I believe that you're trying to be on the side of the women in this movie, but I don't trust that in this moment anybody seems to have, or most people don't have a firm enough handle on what the alternative is or the absolutely perfectly skewering message for what the present is to give me any attempt at satirization. Beautifully put. I it's, completely agree. It's like the, ex- it's, it, 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 the 2000s is the exact best and worst era for this remake to have arrived in. So in that way, it's an incredible time capsule. It reminds me so, and we, when we were watching the movie, we said this, but it reminds me so much of the exact 70s to early 2000s remake cycle of the wicker man yeah where the original wicker man is like a potent commentary about like christian colonialism basically (laughs) and like masculinity and and uh and british assumption where is rowan morrison oh my god i love that movie that's a sexy movie oh my god that is an erotic movie um this is a wonderful insight right now do you highly recommend the original I'm gonna watch it now just like with your voice in my head doing that being like okay I'm really gonna think of Margot when I'm watching this it's a hot movie great the remake as we all know <laughs> is posits that like feminism is the bad guy yeah strong strong women like choosing to have uh, any semblance of power mm-hmm. in a governmental way <laughs> has resulted in the wicker man <laughs> like and then you have Nick Cage, like, As resulted in the Wicker Man. <laughs> you have Nicolas Cage roundhouse kicking women across the room. <laughs> and, the, and the movie is, like, applauding, like, this in, insane violence. This, like, comical comedy violence. Which, against, like, 2000s. Yeah. Because it's like, yes, like, get him. Fuck the feminists. <laughs> in the same way, it's like, okay, so we can do a satire remake of, like, an incredibly good 70s movie. Mm-hmm. Because we're past it now. And actually, the real problem is that women are too powerful. In it. The girl bosses are too strong. (laughs) They have too much. They boss too hard. they're so unhappy. Yeah. They would be happier if they had more time with their kids. In it. It is. The 2004 version of this movie, which I realized last night. Yes. uh, Yes, of Stepford Wives. Which I realized last night, Nicole Kidman is younger than me in this movie than I currently am, which I've never considered. Like, yeah, I obviously when you watch movies of actors and they were younger, they're they're any number of years younger than you are. But that was the first time I'd really thought about it in terms of Nicole Kidman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was very like, wow, shocking. Um, this movie cannot divorce itself from the brain poison of the era to actually capably deliver the threatening message that makes the first one so powerful it is the 70s one is like this is the culture of the time and here are these women who represent like a a a burgeoning and confident counterculture to the mores of what women should be like like here is the tension between progress and tradition yeah and then in the 2000s one, it's just like, well, here's progress, but that didn't work out so great. <laughs> so here, here we are positing that like 
yeah, maybe killing people and making choices for them wasn't a good idea. But maybe also we should back down on this progress thing, yeah, too. Yeah, maybe letting them make their own choices was a huge fucking mistake. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, and in the end, Bobby comes back to being Bobby. Like, Bette Midler comes back to being Bette Midler. Mm-hmm. And, and what's the name of the, what's the name of her famous book that gets cited in this? Her famous book is a, bu- a bio, an autobiography about her mother that's called, what is it? I oh, Love God. You But Please Die. I Love You But Please Die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, we, we, you know, we get these fun, like, delicious things. Again, like, the the flippant um, sense of humor of the 2000s. Yes. The very, like, barbed cutting sense I, of humor. I think the way that the, that the Stepford Wives are most robotic in the sense of these other robot movies that we've talked about mm-hmm. is that they do not understand humor or specifically irony. Like, <laughs> yeah. In either movie, like, both of the, the human protagonists, all of the human protagonists are, like, quipping all the time and it's part of what's wonderful about their characters is like wow my favorite thing about housework is like how good it makes my ass look yeah yeah. but something like that or no they were talking about like thing decorations you can do with pine cones oh yeah and midler's character (laughs) is like what about if we use a thousand pine cones to write out the word big Jew on my front lawn? <laughs> yeah. And the, they're all like, I love that. Yeah, they all look like completely blank and are like, what an interesting idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, the robots are like more, more, more gender perfect. And maybe the perfect woman really is a woman with no sense of humor. Well, I mean, obviously. <laughs> I mean, yes, like they're, they're they're certainly the the robots of the original had no sense of humor. Yes, but I, I mean certainly I, I would imagine they were programmed to laugh at all of the jokes that men told and were oh. programmed into believing what jokes were. You're a champion, Frank. You're a champion. You're so funny, Frank. <laughs> it like makes me uncomfortable hearing that. <laughs> we were gonna start this podcast with a hello, Jordan. It like it act like hearing that whispery voice. It just makes my skin feel weird. <laughs> so because it oh god it's so like there are moments where like i have i i have this conversation and like the idea of fembots and it's like it's so fascinating it's so endlessly interesting to discuss and then it'll catch up with me how fucking terrifying it is yeah <laughs> and, it is a horror movie. and it's how fucking terrifying it is and how the weird like the most like surreal brain breaking thing about the 2004 version is that it com- it leaves behind the sinisterness of what men want to do to women. Yes, I think... Because they fucking point. do. They still do. Part of what's so good about the original is, and we touched on this before, but this effect of, like, she is losing everyone in her life yeah. who she can turn to. Yeah. And that therapist figure is the last person, and then that person is, like, not in her... Not available to her anymore. Yeah. What... What is so dis- like? There's this great part in the consciousness raising session. Consciousness raising in the original film where they do have all the women together, mm-hmm. and the human women start to confide about how unhappy they are. Yeah. And Charmaine, pre-robot Charmaine, yeah, like tears in her eyes is like, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that uh, Ed ever loved me. I mean. Uh, he married me because I looked right. It made a big impression on the other TV executives for his wife to look like I look. And she's like weeping. And then it pans to like Carol. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I didn't bake anything yesterday. It took me so long to get the upstairs floor to shine. I didn't have any time to bake. 
And it's like, it's the, the desperation, the like complete loneliness mm-hmm. of, of being, of suffering, of being a woman who is suffering mm-hmm. and has no one to turn to, including other women. Yeah. And that is what happens in the original. And that's why the choice to have cuck Matthew Broderick, <laughs> like, be on Joanna's side mm-hmm. as a big subversive reveal in mm-hmm. the remake is so disappointing for what the movie is supposed to be doing mm-hmm. is that she re- it's it's so about how she has no one mm-hmm. and how this person who's supposed to be her partner is has betrayed her yeah that having him be like just kidding yeah. I've always it's always you that I've wanted babe yeah. I'm always loyal to you is not what the movie is about it's, it's not, not the Stepford Wives it, anymore. It's not the Stepford Wives anymore. And at the very, like, you know, at the very end of the original, you have that chilling walk through the um, grocery store where all of the women are, you know, Hi, Hi Joanne. <laughs> oh, God. Hi, Hi Charmaine. <laughs> How are the kids, Carol? Like, just the most upsetting, like, and knowing knowing that their men are all outside the grocery store so pleased with themselves. Yeah, just jacking it. Yeah, just, exactly. Just, like, just so finely at peace. And seeing these these fembots, these, these women stripped of everything that makes them alive. Mm. And you see that last look of Joanna walking down, just, like, toward the camera down an aisle of the grocery store. And then at the end of the new Stepford Wives... Well, like, all the ladies, turns out they put microchips, like, what Glenn Close did was put microchips in their brain and hardwired them to be perfect. But then when Matthew Broderick button mashes the computer interface of the Men's Association, (laughs) all of those computer chips vaporize. And they snap back, the women snap back to normal, and they're going after their husbands, like, what the fuck did you do to me? And it seems to be that, like, pretty much all the, like, the implication is that the wives stayed with their husbands, who chose to enslave them as robots sex bots after being cured of what has happened to them the women are like i'm gonna settle shame on you (laughs) shame on you they're they're still in stepford and we see the men walking around the shopping center being like you guys know where to find these things like who's heard of a bra like just like the absolute most embarrassing failed male punishing of the husbands is making them go grocery shopping is making them just like do things to keep home yeah and but they have their minds yeah this isn't like there was no revenge it was women taking the high road and being like well you clean the house and see how you like it for a change it's like oh can we just (laughs) the the punishment does not fit the crime at the end of the New Stepford Wives. Folks, to punish a husband, all you have to do is ask him to do basic chores. Is ask him to do the things that you do on a daily basis. Yes, without being asked. Without being asked. Like, the the scene in the original where Walter has to care for four children because two kids are sleeping over. For a weekend. For a weekend. And he's like, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Like, what else am I supposed to do to entertain them? And she's like, I entertain them all the time. You'll figure it out. They like Sesame Street. Bye. <laughs> like, she asks him to be an equal participant in the life they have together. And that is her being a harpy bitch. Yeah, and because she asks that, he's mm-hmm. like she's got to fucking die. She's got to fucking die. Yeah. And then then in this movie, the 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 punishment for enslavement is be take equal responsibility for keeping a home. Yeah. The old ball and chain. The old 
fucking ball and chain. The This movie tries to have its cake and eat it too. Like, oh, let's make you feel good in the end. It's like, we saw a woman dispense cash out of her mouth because she was turned into a cash machine. We saw an, a remote control change the size of the tits on a woman. Yes. From big to very big. <laughs> big to, to, because Faith Hill wasn't good enough as is. And then, like, we see, like, you know, strange, like, corruption of the body. And it, it and, and, and yet, like, but it's in the end, I'm sure those guys wouldn't do it again if they had the chance. Right? Like, right? Right, because again, like, Glenn Close was the bad guy. The former girl boss turned Serena Joy is the actual mastermind, and these men are mere victims of being coerced into, like, wanting wanting to have, like, girlfriend slaves Mm -hmm. because, like... Because the the mean lady said so. <laughs> yeah. And it, it what it does get at both times, I think, very effectively is uh, how uh, quickly men will be complicit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When an authority figure tells them that, like, subjugating women is the way. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, sure. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, gosh, when, you, when you're right, you're right, Mike. When you're right, you're right, Diz. Uh, we should uh, do this. Mike, which is short for Microsoft, as a replacement for Diz, short for Disney. Which Diz is so much better. Diz is better because yeah. Diz isn't Diz isn't necessarily a name. So it's like, what a kooky name that is. It's like, oh, Disney. So yeah, it's. I like the existence of the Stepford Wives remake because of the ways you can talk about the time in which it emerged. Yes. I like that a lot. I think yes. that's very valuable to see how that movie failed its legacy. Yes. Specifically rooted in the time in which it arrived so we can evaluate that time through the lens of Stepford Wives. I think that's very interesting. But rewatching the the first one, it is, it's even better than I, I, I liked watching it and maybe it was because I was watching it with you. And just that was a, a, a wonderful experience of, like, shared enjoyment of somebody who was on the, kind of, like, the exact same yeah. sort of editorial such mission that I was. Um, it's such a good movie. Yeah. And it, like, it, it still is. It's a movie that, like, you know, it looks like a 70s film. But it really is one that if it's, like, if this came out shot for shot, word for word remake. Shot for shot, word for word, nothing changed tomorrow. It would still be as potent right as it, it was in 74 yeah it would not the be update dated. of the stepford like, wives is just the 1970s version of the fucking stepford wives yeah and that's why the remake is so disappointing because the the attempt at updating it to be about aughts feminist politics yeah. ends up being vastly more sexist <laughs> yes than than just making a like as you say a shot for shot line for line remake and it's like, fine, we can accept, we can suspend as audience members, suspend our disbelief mm-hmm. that, like, men want domestic suburban housewives. Yeah. Because they fucking do, guys. They, yes. Let's be real. They fucking do. They still do. They fucking do. But even if we want to, like, adapt, make, maybe make the feminist, the feminism a little more intersectional. Yeah. Maybe make exactly. it, maybe add some little more nuanced queerness into the story. Yeah. That would be really interesting and cool, but we don't need to go harpy girl boss wishes she was a domestic <laughs> bride. Yes. And then realizes that maybe she needs to be a little softer, but she can still be a girl boss. <laughs> So my, the reason I wanted to save this question and not even introduce it till the very end, this is, it is, it's not like a continue. I feel like we've, we've really had the good conversation here. I like coming to you with what should we do next time after we've digested a yes. whole episode so it can be like, wait, where are we now? Okay. I feel we did touch on this a little bit in the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
I feel like the next obvious place, since mm-hmm. we've talked now about store-bought wives, mm. is her. I like it. I like it. And I like, too, the, um, because obviously there's much more, like, visible tech introduced in the 2000s movie of, of Separate Wives. But the the first one is very, that's very all just implicit. Mm-hmm. And her is an interesting entry into sort of, like, the, you know, future sci-fi because it's a very, like, sort of it seems like a sort of benign nice future it's not necessarily like full tech utopia no like star trek but it's also not like it's also not looper yeah like it it, it is black mirror-esque and it's like a closeness to now it feels like next year we could have something like this totally and the the technology like our our robot experience is the voice of Scarlett Johansson. There, there are there are little bells and whistles like digitally to like indicate like you know technological advancement. But for the most part, like this is a robot performance of, of a voice of a disembodied voice. This is our first robot movie that we've talked about yet mm. um, with with disembodied AI. And yes. I think it is a very very rich and interesting type of AI to talk about. That I think there are many delicious disembodied AI characters. Mm-hmm. Hell 9000 being my absolute favorite. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but um, I feel like the, I, the possibly the unofficial catchphrase of this pod is uh, Margot moving her head in the specific way she does and saying, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Don't <laughs> worry. We'll touch on that. Um, I don't even know if we want to ever do a 2001 A Space Odyssey episode because there's so much. It's just such a big movie was but maybe we could just watch the hotline thousand like act and Mm -hmm. then and then or we just do a mini soda about it but anyway Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but her is like it's like what does it what does it mean for a robot to pass as a gendered human woman Mm -hmm. when she also has no body and is just a sexy voice Mm -hmm. and what and yeah i mean there's so much to talk about well and going from the going from the very embodied the whole point of it in, yes. in the stepford movies to the, the perfect body to the perfect body to the disembodied i think is a good transition right and going from my girlfriend's a robot and that's so fucking hot because she obeys me <laughs> to my girlfriend's a robot and but she doesn't obey me and that made me sad <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah, no, that sounds perfect, and I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. So it'll be her for next episode. Her 2013. Spike Jones is her. Spike Jones, yes, not Kaufman. The not the other not one. Not the other one. Not the other one. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right then. So Margot, where can the people find you? I am on Twitter mm. at official underscore Margot M A R G O T. Uh, it's also my Venmo. Mm-hmm. Um, and elsewhere, you can see me wandering the streets of Los Angeles. <laughs> Um, uh, staring at birds. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a lovely, that's a lovely, uh, very dissociated from robots pastime. Jordan, where can people find you? Uh, obviously on Twitter at Jorcru, J-O-R-C-R-U. Uh, the various podcasts you can check in on. Ots, Tyrion with me and Sam. Uh, back catalog of this here whole movie podcast and forever the Disaster Girls pod. And then, of course, feeling seen on the Maximum Fun Network. Yeah. Where I am having wonderful interviews with really cool people who are letting me ask them about uh, characters they've identified with in film. What's a fun one you've done recently? Um, a fun one I've done recently, and it will it will have been out by the time this comes out, so I can say away. It, Guy Branham came on and talked about um, connecting with 
specifically the performance of the Baron Harkonnen in 1984's Dune Hell yes. by David Lynch. His and... tweet storm about how much he fucking hates mm-hmm. slash loves slash feels very conflicted about yeah. Baron Harkonnen um, when the new Dune came out mm-hmm. was, was so educative to me and so smart and mm-hmm. funny and interesting. I just love him and I cannot wait to listen to that. It is, it is, it is an, it is a perfect example of the kinds of conversations I would like to have on this podcast and the creativity that marginalized people as, as Guy talks about, like, as a fat gay man, there are only so many options that you have on screen, mm-hmm. um, for, for finding yourself in a character and the sort of creative genius that, that people in who lack those options have to have in order to see themselves and and the incredible ability to create story in your mind where it doesn't exist is is a thing that i i want to do as much as i i can on the pod and the conversation with guy was an amazing example of that so I yeah thank wonderful. you thank you very much I, I i assumed that was the person you were hoping that i was gonna bring up when you I, asked who I'm every talk single to person you've talked to is exciting so <laughs> i was you. genuinely curious um so yeah uh, look for all those things um and yeah it'll be her it'll on be the her, next guys. episode and i'm look excited i look out for her and i'm excited to hear margot talk about fembot and fembot adjacent forever i'm excited to hear jordan talk about everything <laughs> under the sun she wins she wins on that one thanks guys it's not up to me why is it up to anyone do you have people to test you or might switch you off no i don't why do i 